0: Is there any way you can offer faster service? It's just that Evelyn's birthday is coming up and I was planning this as a present. Oh, it depends when your birthday is. Two weeks. It will be my birthday in two weeks. Two weeks. It's impossible. I'm sorry. We can offer you extra if it helps. We have a mount of extremely rare satirits. You wouldn't find those even in the museums. They're worth far more than infallible or Evelyn's right. It's a highly collectible mount. I'm sorry, but I have too much pressure from other customers. And I cannot do it any sooner than eight weeks. I'm so sorry. Well, we'd have to discuss it anyway before we order. It's okay. There will be another birthday. If you'd like, we could look for something that it's not so much in demand. The bed would have been perfect. Uh, Would a human toilet be a suitable compromise?
1: Really?
2: Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy that doesn't take itself too seriously. Uh, And this week we are on week three of the Dark Council's Fuck Brewery, where we're talking about sexy ass movies. And that's uh, right. Today we have a really weird Kind a of weird sex- addition <laughs> kind uh, perhaps sex-
1: perhaps uh only sexy to a certain segment of the population
2: <laughs> a very small segment of a the very population. small segment
1: of the population and folks if you've done a little skim of wikipedia you may think that i'm talking about lesbians and you'd be wrong about that <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is not what we mean um because lesbians are you know too attractive. They're hot women. to everybody. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, everyone's kind of into that.
1: Everyone likes that. <laughs> uh
2: huh. We're talking about moths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we'll we'll get to the regular movie, but uh, this is going to be a fun one. But first, we should get into what else we watched this week, as we are wont to do every week on this show. So, Jeremy, what else did you watch this week?
1: Bryn, thank you for asking. You are um, so welcome. As we have been discussing recently, uh, I am in the process of buying a house, and my life is chaos and uh, very difficult, (laughs) and it's hard to find time to watch movies, but the one time I do get to watch movies is on the weekend with my son when I'm trying to get him to shut up for a little while, and uh, so I've been showing him a lot of movies, and uh, I'm trying to find ones that will be fun for both of us to watch together, and this week, together, we watched The... 1988 Japanese animated fantasy film, My Neighbor Totoro, written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Totoro. Now, this is a movie that I had never seen before, and uh, I was very excited to watch it. I knew it was one of the big ones, and um, that people really liked it. And uh, I didn't really know much else about it. I knew it was Miyazaki, I knew it was Studio Ghibli, and I knew it was... um, Uh, Cute, and that's about all I knew. And uh, (laughs) but I saw it was rated G, and I was like, well, this should be fine for Nico. Then I figured like spirited away is maybe a little too intense for him right now, it would be a little scary. Um,
2: Mm, You wouldn't want him to see the big uh, no face or whatever.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of like really intense stuff in there, and he gets scared pretty easily actually uh, by movies. Um, He'll ask me to turn stuff off because it's too scary.
2: A little coward, huh?
1: Yeah, he, um, (laughs) I'm I'm trying to think of one that we watched recently that like, uh, oh, we tried to watch Aladdin, and uh, the cave was too scary for him, so he made me turn it off, and, uh, but so we watched uh, My Neighbor Totoro, which uh, tells the story of two young girls in 1950s Japan uh, living in a country house with their dad, and uh, they are clearly city folk who are moving out to the country uh, to, you know. Uh, you think at the beginning to to uh, live a simpler, rustic life, but actually they're trying to move closer to the hospital that their mother is at, and um, they they want to be closer to her for visits and stuff. And uh, they're kind of in this situation where like the dad is kind of a bumbling dickhead who like doesn't know how to like take care of his kids very well. He's very nice and he like cares about them a great deal, but he like doesn't know how to do shit. So his daughters are like really picking up a lot of the slack, and they're kind of being their own moms and uh you know the older sisters like cooking meals and cleaning up and taking the little sister to school and stuff and that's like most of the beginning of the movie um there's like uh those little soot uh little soot gremlins that you may know from uh other uh, other miyazaki joints like spirited away um and uh you know there's this fantastical element in it but otherwise like there's not a lot of fantastical elements at the beginning it's just about like this family in the country. And then uh, the girls go into the backyard out into the woods and they find uh, like a spirit realm where they meet Totoro, who's a big fucking awesome uh, like fat bunny duck thing. I don't know how you really describe (laughs) it. (laughs) He's kind of shaped like a, like a duck or a penguin. You know, he's got that sort of like, like head that goes into neck that goes into like fat bottom, like, like an eggplant shaped uh, torso head situation uh, with like his arms and legs kind of tucked neatly in and uh, they meet him out there and they have some fantastical times with him. And he, you know, clearly kind of like serves as a, like a, like a, coping god in the japanese shinto religion like he's helping them to uh to get through this hard time where their mom is sick and they have to take on all these responsibilities and stuff and he takes them on some fantastical journeys and they have some fun together and uh and then in the end uh there's a whole sequence where like the um they get a call from the hospital and the hospital's like, Your mom, she's worse. Or no, it's a telegram. Sorry, it's the fifties. Uh they they get a they get a telegram from the hospital and the hospital's like, Your mom, she's worse. She's getting worse. You better oh, get better no. get your dad home. And uh, the dad is like in Tokyo on business. The girls are like home alone in the country. Um, I guess this is the fifties, so like the country is a lot closer to Tokyo than it probably is now. But it's very funny to think of it in the modern context where you're like, you're in Tokyo. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> That's like five hours away. <laughs> That's like a weekend trip. You can't be there just for your regular commute. Um, but uh, it's really so they far. they freak out, and uh, the little sister uh, goes missing and tries to like walk to the hospital to see the mom. And uh, you get this like very heavy little sequence of the girls um, kind of both coping with it in their own ways. And mm-hmm. uh, and then they, uh, you know, Totoro helps them get there via this like fantastical cat bus. And uh, it is of course a cat with like nine or 10 legs. Uh, yep. that also cat has like windows uh, in it like a bus. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they go and they bring the mom this piece of corn. and uh, And then in the closing credits, we see that the mom's actually okay. Uh, And she comes home and the girls are happy to see her. Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of the main pieces of the movie. I will say, first and foremost, Nico loved it. He had a great time watching it, um, which I was really happy with because I was a little worried that it wasn't going to be like stimulating enough because it's really chill. Uh, It's mostly just a vibes movie. Yeah, the animation um, is
2: so cute, though
1: it so is very good. cute and and he had a great time watching it he loved all the little creatures he loved there's like a little bit of physical comedy here and there he loved that stuff and just generally he was pretty like into the idea of kids being depicted like this like oh a lot of the stuff that they make nowadays like kids are just like singing songs or like they're like you know in families and stuff and like this is kind of cool because it's like kids like going on adventures in like really realistic situations yeah. Um, so he had a great time watching it. I had a great time watching it. I love that nothing happens. I love that like there's <laughs> very barely a plot and um, almost nothing. You know, all that changes from the beginning to the end is that uh, the mom comes home, and we don't even see that in the movie. We see that in the end credits. Right. Um,
2: yeah. It's funny. I you you said I saw you guys talking about it in the Discord earlier, and right. I was like, I've seen Totoro for sure a couple of times. And I was like, what happens in that movie? And nothing. I'm reading the, I'm reading the description on Wikipedia and being like, Oh yeah, nothing. Like nothing happens. <laughs> very little have, they fly around, they bounce on his belly. Mm-hmm. They wait on the bus, they go on the cat bus. And like, yeah, the only thing like, that so happens is the little moment.
1: sister gets lost and they have to find her. And everybody's yes. worried about her. Um, that's the only real happening in the movie. Otherwise it's just kind of like chilling in rural Japan with some weird Shinto characters and stuff. And it fucking rocks. I love it. I love it that. Rock, um, yeah. I love that. There's nothing expected. <laughs> there's nothing happening. Um, uh, Kyle Earth, uh, a friend of the show had a great uh, letterboxed sentence that he wrote about it. Um, he says, Miyazaki is a true hero for showing us the rules of storytelling are not real and science has only begun to understand what makes movies good. <laughs> 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 That's so true. It's so fucking true. And this is such a great example of it where it's like, by all conventional metrics, like this is barely a movie and nothing happens and it should be boring. And it kind of is boring, but it's boring in a great way and you really enjoy yourself while you're doing it. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, I really, really liked it a lot. I also really love the depiction of the kids in it is, is fantastic because, like, I mean, like I said, like, kids in today's media uh, are not really treated like kids. They're treated like cartoon characters, and um, and kids in anime are often treated as, like, these kind of, like, like overly twee, like, intense, like, cutesy things, or... Right They're like over the top ridiculous things. I love this movie has like a very grounded and very real like portrayal of kids where like, you know, the older sister is like stepping up and being responsible, but you can see her falter constantly and you can see her like second guess herself and second guess her position and like, you know, acquiesce to adults around her. and, and I love that the little sister is like, a pain in the ass most of the time, (laughs) but she's also really sweet, you know? And like you get, it's just a very realistic depiction of kids that you don't really see a whole lot. It's kind of cool to see that. I was going to say, it's cool to see that juxtaposed with like the cat bus and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And it's cool that like, you know, you have this, you have the sick mom and like, it's kind of the, the one thing you have in the movie that like kind of tells you why things are happening. And, The whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, man, I hope the mom doesn't die. That sucks. Uh, And then she doesn't. She's she's okay in the end. It's kind of nice that it's just like (laughs) the whole movie is just like, ah, nice.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's a movie that's sort of just like about experiencing like unknown things as a kid, where just Mm -hmm. everything is like simultaneously like a little scary and uncertain, but it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, it was just a cold. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I guess that th- that means it's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think he was just. It seems like Totoro Miyazaki was just really interested in like showing what it was felt like to be a kid.
1: Yeah, and you know what's interesting is that it was. Um, I believe it was released. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was released as a double feature with Grave of the Fly- Fireflies. No. Yeah, they showed them back to back
2: in theaters. And-
1: I believe so, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, they were shown in theaters together. And um that's it's it's, a
2: bad idea. (laughs) Well,
1: I think the idea in some ways was to serve as a counterpoint to what is you know an extremely upsetting movie, to then be like, hey, also it can also be nice, (laughs) the world.
2: Sometimes the world isn't horrific.
1: And they are thematically like similar movies in a way yeah, where it's like, you know, it's about these kids like going through a tough time and like finding enjoyment and like trying to be kids themselves while this horrible thing is happening. But one, you know, pretty obviously a lot worse than the other <laughs> in terms of their success.
2: Yeah. <laughs> have you ever uh, seen totally unrelated but have you well not really but have you ever seen life is beautiful no the Roberto bonini movie
1: Mm-mm. where he's I really like, want to I've always wanted to but I never really get around to it because it seems like it's a horrible time
2: <laughs> well I was I, I feel like there's been like a cultural turning on that movie um where people are like it's bad and stupid no mm-hmm. but I I remember in, you know I was a kid, but it was like very affecting when I yeah. saw it. It's really sad, um, and I just don't know how it. Re- I don't know how that movie reads now, because it's like it is funny. You know, they're in a concentration camp, and he's trying to like convince his son that
1: yeah, he's trying to convince him it's all a game, right? Yeah, is the idea.
2: Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But it's like I think people like started to feel like that's a little tasteless to actually make it funny to us. Um, yeah. But that's I, a
1: cowardly I, opinion.
2: I don't know if I agree. I think that movie's pretty horrific and 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 good.
1: I mean, I can't say on like this specific case because obviously I've not seen that movie. But uh, to believe that as a actual rule is cowardly. I believe.
2: Right. Um, I would agree.
1: Yeah. And this isn't like a, you know, like free speech and comedy, like anything can be funny, I believe. Like it's it's more just to say that like, you know, if you're imposing that kind of a rule on taste, I think, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, I, I, a, I just think it's, I think, a it's coward. I think it's cowardly to think that you can't do it. Um, whether or not it's done well in this particular movie is a different question.
2: Yeah. I remember liking it. I'd like to watch it again one day yeah um but yeah Totoro movie good
1: good movie what good did you movie. watch this week
2: well uh, we are almost finished with I went on a plane month <laughs> 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 uh and I want to talk about uh two movies I think uh, I don't think I have a ton to say about either of them More, specifically not a lot to say about Blackberry Um. Blackberry is from last year, 2023, directed by Matt Johnson, um, who's in the movie. Have you seen... You haven't seen this. Blackberry, no. Yeah. Uh, so, I didn't know that this was directed by the guy who did Nirvana, the band, the show. Okay. Remember Nirvana, the band, the show? No. Oh, it was like a fucking Canadian, like, Viceland show. They have, like, a pretty viral video where they're singing the the Wii... Wee- the Wii Store, music. Mm-hmm. Um, it they're like comedians, like they're weird comedians, sort of uh, in the style of like Lonely Island or or whatever, or um, uh, please destroy, please don't destroy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently he's been being a director of like some pretty big movies, pretty big specifically Canadian movies. Um, and this is one of them. Um and he's very funny in the movie. Uh it kind of makes sense uh because they he got a bunch of comedians to do this movie like uh the main characters are Jay Baruchel and Glenn Howerton also known as Dennis from uh It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um and it takes a very sort of silly uh on doing the sort of classic like biopic thing um, of like we invented this product and it's real. It's called the Blackberry and let's see what the hijinks of this movie are about. Mm -hmm. Um, It's pretty paint by numbers though. Um, There's some interesting, I think there's some interesting, uh, it's the year two thousand stuff Uh, like like it starts in in 1996 and then goes up through I think 2007 and it it's pretty weird to to remember how close the year 2000 was to the 90s (laughs) where Mm -hmm. like there the people's understanding of technology was like way different than it is now um and that's fun Glenn Howerton does a really good job as this, like, really psychotic anger management problem douchebag suit guy. Um, I think one of the biggest problems with the movie is that he's not in it enough. Um, And then it also just has a lot of those same issues with, like, um, with any biopic where it's, like, they're trying to get through years of information. So there's not a ton of time to like build relationships or make anything feel like they're real people. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I feel like that's always kind of my problem. I feel like one of the only movies that sidestepped that was David or Danny Boyle's Steve Jobs movie with Michael uh, Fassbender, um, which was only about like the relationships between Steve Jobs and his friends family and friends uh -hmm. and like almost nothing else um which is why i think it's pretty good um
1: yeah those are always the best biopics are the ones that like that kind of like focus in on one specific thing about it's not like not the actual like whole story itself like um I think um, we watched uh, the damned United is another one like this where it's about a very specific time in Brian Clough's career. It's not about his whole career. It's about this one period where he's just like in like massive friction with this one club that he gets hired at and that's it. And it's just like showing why he got there, how he got there. And then, you know, then the end of it is just like, and then he goes on to be like the famous guy, you know,
2: (laughs) (laughs) who I definitely didn't, not know about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so this one is sort of like, it's one of those things where I don't like it now that it is like, this is my knowledge of blackberries now. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. it's like how much of this stuff was real. I don't know. Um, obviously the crazy guy that Glenn Howerton plays is like, it wasn't anything like that, uh, but I like it and I support them or whatever. Um, but it's fun. It has a real Canadianness to it because uh, it takes place in Canada and it's made by a Canadian guy it's it's a good plain movie I was happy I watched it it's sort of funny in places Glenn is really good being like crazy Dennis screaming sometimes mm-hmm. um Jay Barshell is fun to see doing his thing I don't know it's cute it's hard to like really I can't be like oh this movie sucks or anything whatever it like kind of does what it does. Uh-huh. I, d- I just wish they had spent more time like med like trying to explain to me why they made the decisions they made like like the CEO of the, the it's like these nerds who sort of have this like we're nerds and we're making this fun thing because we're nerds and then a bunch of money gets put in and everything gets complicated. But right. like we don't spend a lot of time seeing them as friends. Like, Jay Baruchel and Matt Johnson, like, always seem annoyed at each other already and at odds and, like, struggling and never feel like, oh, there was a good time we were having and you're ruining it. It just feels like constant arguing and struggling. So, like, you never get the real payoff of, like, oh, they're breaking up and that's sad. You don't get, like, any emotional resonance there. So, it just feels like this happened and then this happened and then this happened. Um, so you know whatever it's an okay movie
1: but you get like some good uh, you get some good Glenn Nowerton screaming at least
2: oh absolutely that's yeah. most of the draw of the movie uh, <laughs> it's his performance is really good the uh-huh. character he sort of like makes up I was worried it was going to be so over the top Dennis that it was going to be like kind of unbelievable but he just seems like a really anger management business guy and it's pretty funny <laughs> mm-hmm. just the way he d- he's really good it's very different than yeah it's Dennis. funny it's
1: well the, th- the funny thing about always sunny is that everybody on that show was not a comedian you know all those guys are like real actors who were like really trying to make it as actors and then like <laughs> this was just kind of a thing that they threw together that they didn't think was going to work and then it turned out to be like the funniest show ever and and I believe for the first couple seasons they just like hired really good writers' rooms, and that was kind of like how it worked out for them. But all of them have backgrounds as like serious actors, you know. Yeah.
2: They were trying like, to maybe be...
1: comedic actors sometimes, but like they were all definitely like just regular old actors.
0: <laughs> like uh <laughs>
1: D shows up and stuff all the time, you know, like old stuff. Yeah. Um she's like in a couple episodes of Curb uh from like years before Oh uh, yeah. Uh, always Sunny.
2: Um, yeah, it's, so he does a really good job. I mean, like, as just a guy who is really desperate and trying to make a lot of money um, mm-hmm. and <laughs> doing really inadvisable things to do so. The movie's about committing huge amounts of fraud. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's fun. Um, the other movie I watched, and this will be the end of plain Month, uh, mm. is uh, called landscape with invisible hand um which is directed by cory finley who uh he he hasn't done very much he did like an hbo movie called bad education and um uh his first movie was called thoroughbreds which i heard a little bit about um but i did not see it's got anya Anya taylor joy um and i think it was pretty successful for like an indie movie um this movie is
1: <sighs> Oh, did we watch the trailer for this, maybe? Yes. This I, sounds I, really familiar.
2: Yeah, now that you're looking at the aliens, right? Like
1: <laughs> I just read the premise on uh on Wikipedia.
2: Yeah, so it's it's hard to explain. It's a I'm gonna basically summarize the Wikipedia for the listener. Uh but it's like the world has been taken over by a species called the Vov. they're aliens they look like little hams like honey-baked hams with tentacles
1: they look like the little um daniel johnston frog
2: <laughs> they do like the, the little Johnston frog and the way they talk is they have like little rocks on their little tentacles instead of sticky they're like hard and they mm-hmm. like rub them together and they go wah, 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 wah. um and that's how they talk and how is it
1: that they took over? Do so they have like superior technology or something?
2: Um, so we 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 only know about how they took over in like class. So it's like propaganda from the aliens. Mm-hmm. Um but basically they had like better goodies. So what you come to learn is like this is all a metaphor for just regular capital. Sure. And like the elites are just like people who do not understand humanity and have become like completely separated from like how normal people act and need uh anything and so they don't even like it's really fascinating and it's a pretty cool idea actually to make them like not necessarily evil um aliens just like aliens that view us as like as necessary consumers of Mm -hmm. the thing that they want. And and they definitely think of us as like quaint and less intelligent than them. But like, they're not trying to kill us. They just like are trying to do their thing.
1: Yeah. It's tough to imagine because we don't really have an equivalent um, in real life. Like we don't have something that's like halfway between us and animal, you know? Um, well, it'd be kind of cool right. if like there was still Neanderthals or something, and like <laughs> <laughs> there's just like a it permanent... Would... like you know, like everybody knows, like they're not quite human, but they, uh,
2: they think of us. But they as... do
1: date and they hang out, and like you can watch them.
2: <laughs> they think of us as monkeys who can like build stuff, yeah, and help, and like they're like they don't want to like hurt us or anything, but they don't give a shit about us at all. So right. the 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 original thing is like a boy and a girl meet in college and everyone has these like little things on their heads that can broadcast to TV Mm -hmm. for them. They're like Twitch streamers, but they love, they like fetishize, not fetishize. They like are a little bit interested in like human culture. They think it's a cute and weird, like a zoo. Yeah. And so they start dating and, um, and broadcasting their lives. And then the white family is very poor and like home, almost homeless or Mm -hmm. maybe actually homeless. And the black family has a house. Um, And they uh, offer to let them move into the basement um, while they're doing this dating thing. Uh, And then it's sort of just about like the weird class dynamics there of like how they don't have anything. It's really interesting because they like, the family is specifically black who has a house. They're not rich by any means, but they like had it before the aliens moved in. And then the white family is poor and almost homeless. And they like almost never mention that except for like one moment, like an hour into the movie where like the, one of the kids is like, you know why or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, Whoa. Uh, it's the way they handle that is really interesting. um, and so what happens is, is like the, they pretty immediately, the little kids who are dating, you know, are high schoolers and decide not to date anymore. Sure. Uh, but they keep pretending that they're dating because they're making a lot of money on the, their streaming. Um, and then they get sued by one of the aliens for not actually being in love. And so they owe them like hundreds of thousands of dollars Um, and then they have to solve that issue of like, what are you going to do? Like how we can't, how do we, how do we be in love? And they're like, so they start, he, the alien moves into the house and like, be like, let me be, let me pretend to be a husband. I'll be the dad. And then they have to like perform this like fifties housewife version of what he thinks humans are. Mm -hmm. Um, and how he thinks like the family should work. Um, And so the little kid goes a little crazy. He's an artist. And uh, he does this huge mural to like get his feelings out. And the aliens think it's awesome. And they're like, you will be our mural painter. Uh, And he, he sort of like makes this really like almost like rebellious painting about like how much it sucks to live under oppression like the sort mm-hmm. of like constant surveillance state, um, where you're treated as a, 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 property. And then they like take it and edit it to like, make it be about how nice it is to live under the Vuv. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, we'll give you $63 million to make more of these. And just like immediately, you know, immediately, uh, make it a part of their system. Um, and that's kind of the idea of the movie where it's just about like trying to make art, trying to have love in a world where everything is literally alienated yeah. and turned, you know, turned into a product for these alien capitalists. Um and it's really cool and interesting. Um it's not the best movie though. Uh, yeah,
1: that's what I was going to say. Is like is it actually like a good watch though?
2: It's it's a pretty fun movie but it doesn't it's not funny enough. Tiffany Haddish is in it but it it just feels a little stilted and
1: It's supposed to be funny?
2: Yeah, it kind of is supposed to be funny like Tiffany Haddish has the funniest parts where she's like forced to be like waiting on this alien guy who's like I'm your father. I am the dad now. You're my wife. Mm. So the movie is kind of interesting and and i would say pretty interesting and has a lot to say but it kind of ends up being a little bit stilted in places mm-hmm. um it, or most of the places it kind of like the actual emotions between the characters feel real weird and like not exactly not exactly deep it it feels like it's trying so hard to be metaphorical and satirical that it kind of it succeeds in those things but like kind of forgets to be a real movie it almost feels like an onion article as a movie uh-huh. where it's like wow that's cutting and very true <laughs> um and it's funny but in is it a whole
1: is it a whole thing's worth of funny it,
2: is it a whole thing's worth of funny I will say like the moment when the kid um they they like they're like we'll give you and then like do a calculation and they're like sixty three million dollars to do this more 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 murals and that whole like sequence where he like kind of goes and realizes that they're like sublimating it and like taking out all the subversive elements of what he did and that he would just like become a propagandist for the aliens is done really tactfully and emotionally and Mm -hmm. his performance is pretty good um And it's sort of overwhelming and directed really like it. I kept being surprised that this was like an indie movie because there's like they take him into space and then he's like crawling through their weird spaceship that is like all (laughs) tiny holes because they're small. And then like they have like taken the whole wall he did and like transported it onto the spaceship. And it's like in this huge cavern Um, and he's just like so shocked and upset but like trying to keep it together. Cause he wants to have six, 60 million dollars or whatever. Sure. Uh, cause they don't like understand or care about money or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I, there's some really cool ideas in it that are definitely worth watching. Um, I think I would recommend it just because it's such a wild swing. <laughs> yeah. Like it's such a cool swing. I, I don't, I was a little disappointed that it's not like a great movie. I would say it's a it's a good to decent movie with a lot of really cool ideas. Um, and really, you know, I I think it's a it's a very apt metaphor for life now. And you don't see a lot of movies that even try to do that. Um I wish I could remember what I said about it on Letterboxd. Um But yeah, it's a it's interesting. I I I guess I'll give it a, a light rec- I'll give both of these a light recommend where mm-hmm. it's like nothing too bad to say about them. Um just nothing like t- to write home about um kind of interesting kind of fun, but not Crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to our feature presentation.
0: Movies, popcorn.
2: Movies and popcorn. It is time for the feature presentation, which this week is Peter Strickland's 2014 erotic romance drama film. The Duke of Burgundy. Uh, yes. This is this is an interesting one as we've already done one Peter Strickland movie. Um, yes. We don't usually return to directors this, you know, we I feel like we're like, oh, we did a Wes Anderson or a Tarantino again or whatever. But like we don't usually like accidentally hit on a, um, a sort of indie director this unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was his first really big movie. It's his third film. And uh, this one kind of got a lot of of acc- accolades. It was a critical darling. Mm. Uh,
1: Doesn't look like it made any money, though. It
2: did not make any money, um, <laughs> as far as I know. Um, but it was in a lot of festivals. It got a lot of awards. Um, and people really liked it at the time. It was on a lot of year-end lists. It was one of those like critical darlings where like, the AV Club, uh, Variety... Uh, the Hollywood Reporter, indie Wire, uh, everyone put it on their best movies of the year of 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, AV Club said the Oscars will ignore the Dukes of Burgundy's score, but they shouldn't. Um, nice. So yeah, uh, it, it was a uh, it was a it was a critical darling. Did you hear about this movie?
1: No, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> Interesting. No, never heard a goddamn thing about this.
2: Uh Duke so you've never Bird seen it, you never me. heard of it.
1: No. Um, twenty fourteen. Trying to think of like what was I doing in twenty fourteen? What were
2: you doing in twenty fourteen? I was having a very bad year. Uh mm. <laughs> um, but I do recall that I was following Peter Strickland's um career. Uh, because I saw um I saw Katlyn Varga in 2009 when it came out at a Mm -hmm. film festival at my college and then in 2012 he released bourbon sound studio which i watched that year um and was very confused by (laughs) uh because it's more like this than and varga um and then uh this came out and i was happy for him to get so much um so much attention for it i was disappointed that it was more like Berberian sound studio it seemed than uh than varga but uh i was happy for him to to get a lot of attention um yeah so this is a movie about uh two women who are in a relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> um and they are gay and they live in a world. So you you kind of don't really start to grasp what's actually happening in the movie till about halfway through. Um,
1: nah, not halfway. I'd say like, well, you get I mean- kind of like a good long while where they're just kind of being like, it's a maid and her abusive mommy character. Yes. And then like maybe about like 10, 15 minutes into the movie, they're like, psych, that was a BDSM scene and they're just lesbians who like bugs.
2: Right, but then you start to realize that the entire world that they live in is lesbians who are kinky and only fuck mm. <laughs> with in this weird non-fucking way. Um and everyone seems to be uh, obsessed with moths.
1: Yeah, or like, I don't know. I didn't get the impression that this was like the whole world. I thought it was like
2: That's how I feel cuz like when they get the lady to like make the weird Bed that she can sleep in. They're like, mm-hmm. we can offer you these moth specimens,
1: and she's like <laughs> and she like doesn't dismiss it out. She's like, hmm.
0: <laughs> I think that everyone- is a good point. That is a good point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we don't have money but we could offer you these moths <laughs> and
2: like their neighbor that is like also lesbians who want their boots cleaned you mm-hmm. know like when she cheats on her like it seems like everyone is a lesbian a kinky lesbian who's obsessed with moths see that's um,
1: interesting because that does kind of then a little bit take away from like the uh, the larger metaphor here
2: now i'm not entirely sure i understand what the larger metaphor of this movie is interesting um I've seen it twice now, mm-hmm. um, and I like it. Uh it's a cute movie. Um, so yeah, so the the movie is sort of about uh, Cynthia and Evelyn. Are you think that uh, uh, Cynthia is a maid, um, and she's being abused? But then it turns out they're in a dom sub relationship where, um, I'm sorry, Evelyn is the maid. Uh, Cynthia is like being. Evelyn is writing little notes for her to follow, like how to dominate me and how to make Mm -hmm. me feel, uh, you know, small and, and, and the submissive. And, uh, Cynthia is sort of just like following her lead. Um, and then they're also, uh, lepidopterologists, um, and they study moths and go to moth meetings. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and uh, Cynthia starts to become less and less interested in the play that the sort of like overly theatrical, very exhausting
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, sex that they're having.
1: And specifically uh, theatrical and exhausting sex that she does not get off from and like nothing ever happens for her. You know, it's like right. it, it's very focused in one direction. Yes. which you kind of see emphasized in a scene that the one time that we uh uh like the one time that we actually see them like do something outside of this one specific scene that they always do is just that um like Evelyn is like jacking off in bed and Cynthia is like like saying mean things to her Which, you know, even that scene, it's like so pronounced how it's just like, I'm getting off. I'm not touching you. And I need you
2: to do all this stuff. And I need you to do this
1: thing for me so I could get off.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Which, you know, is is, uh, exhausting and she doesn't like it. And then slowly rotting their relationship. And, uh, you know, it seems like a relationship where the spark, if, if there ever was a spark in terms of what Cynthia is doing, if she ever liked that part, she doesn't like it anymore. She's kind of over it. And Evelyn's sort of needs have become, you know, more and more, uh, demanding and over the top where now mm-hmm. she wants to like sleep in a little bed underneath the bed. And, yeah. um, which I think is a really good metaphor for like wanting something that is literally separating them in terms of like their lovingness. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause pretty early on, once the, once the, you know, DS scene breaks, they're like lying on top of each other and like talking and have like tenderness. Right. Um, Cause they fucked. Um, and then it, it becomes so uh, arduous and, uh, and intricate that they're like literally physically separating themselves instead of like trying to have action. It, it, Evelyn has become more and more selfish about it. It seems. Um, and then Evelyn uh, cheats on her by uh, polishing another lecturer's boots, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, which she sees as a betrayal. Um, Evelyn denies it at first and then em- admits it and, um kind of seems like a a metaphor for like making out i guess or like some sort of small betrayal um and then as a punishment she demands that evelyn make her own birthday cake um and starts ignoring her safe words um and then uh kind of uh, in the most emotional scene in the movie after a really crazy like Stan Brackage reference where all the moths uh, like start taking
1: over the movie
2: for like yeah. five minutes <laughs> uh, and we just start seeing a weird art
1: movie scene. And you're just kind of like eh, looking at your watch. You're just like, all <laughs> right, I guess we're uh, still doing the moth thing here. It looks cool, but uh, I you know, I enjoy kinda... that part.
2: But I I also will say I still don't really understand what the moths have to do with the movie. Yeah. Um, I've tried to make even like the even the um. Most basic metaphor of like transformation or like cocoons turning into a butterfly. No,
1: I don't think it's about the transformation. I think if we're supposed to be looking at anything, I think it's about the preservation of a dead thing. You know, it's the pinning of a dead thing into glass to be looked at and never to be engaged with. Right. Because I think ultimately, like what this movie is about is like. I don't want to say abuse but rather like um like relationship dynamics and the way that they tend to self perpetuate and the way that like people seek the same kind of relationship over and over whether they know it or not right and 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 whether they like it or not I guess I should say rather because the idea is that like Evelyn and Cynthia like it's it's very cartoonish and it's very like kind of uh you know blown up into this kind of ridiculous sort of scenario. But basically what they have here is a classic lover beloved dynamic, right? Where like there is Mm -hmm. somebody who is clearly giving more love and there's somebody who's clearly receiving more love. And obviously the one who's receiving more love is like, I love this relationship dynamic. (laughs) And the one who (laughs) is giving more love is like, boy, I wish I could be the beloved, you know, (laughs) wouldn't that be nice. And you know, it's about the ways in which people, you know, find themselves in that dynamic and then, like, break out of it in some way, but then find themselves in another relationship that's exactly the same, you know. And and you see that when Evelyn, you know, uh, finds another person to polish her boots, you know, it's like this very specific sexual act that she does that she wants, and she finds it immediately from somebody else because this relationship dynamic exists fucking everywhere. And you can like, sure. The boot polishing butterfly lady thing doesn't really exist everywhere, but like <laughs> being able to be somebody's beloved, somebody who will value themselves less than you and give you too much of themselves is something you can always find if you're a like hot and available person, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um, and, and, and so I think that the idea of the moths and the butterflies and stuff is this kind of like, uh, it's um, fuck, I lost my train of thought here. I was really on one here for a second. No, you were but... <laughs>
2: going, you, you, you got it.
1: But it's, I think it's, it's about like the preservation, right? It's, we're supposed to be looking at them as these like these little things that were like that, that, that they're not actually ever changed. Like, if anything, it's kind of the, the change is part of it, right? The evolution is part of it because these are things that are famous for changing. They are famous yeah. for their metamorphosis, but because they are dead and dried out and pinned to paper, now they don't. You know, this is about right. like looking at change and saying change exists. <laughs> it can happen, but
2: we are it's not going just to let it. Not
1: here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: not allowed. Actually. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, uh, that that makes it very sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's a sad and, movie for sure and, it's a sad movie <laughs> yeah and I think you know I think the most emotional scene is when at the very end where Cynthia is trying to do the scene they've already done before and just starts mm-hmm. crying and then they like have this moment of like real uh, just actually being people together and like mm-hmm. not having any sort of like median of the, the artifice in the way and then Evelyn just hugs Cynthia and then they have like a nice moment and then they um burn up her letters of, you know, instructions on how to be dominated and then um and then they uh take the trunk that she was sleeping in out of mm-hmm. the house and then Basically, as the, you you think you're watching, like, okay, they're gonna move on with all of that artifice, and then the right. very last scene is her ringing the doorbell. Exactly. From the first scene.
1: And this is what I'm talking about, right? Is it's just about the way that you keep finding yourself in this exact same repetition, right? Um, right. And yeah, I mean, I think it is a sad movie. It reminded me a lot of um, a weird comparison, but it reminded me a lot of The Hurt Locker, which I know you haven't seen.
2: The Hurt Locker.
1: Yeah, so the Hurt Locker. Oh right,
2: you've you've told me the end of that movie. Yeah, so the end of the
1: movie is yeah he like so it's the whole movie is about him defusing bombs and like being a wild man and an adrenaline junkie and like almost getting himself and his partners killed all the time and whatever. And then he gets out of the army and like he goes home and he goes to live a normal life with his wife. And like the last scene is him looking at cereal boxes at the grocery store, just looking down both sides of the aisle of like a million cereal boxes. And it's just like a match cut to him back in Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> and he it kind of reminded it. me of that, where it's just like, it's this, you know, it's this cycle of, of abuse where like, he doesn't know any other way to live. And neither in this movie to Cynthia, you know, she like, they, they make this whole big performance together of like, we're moving on, we're changing our ways, we're getting out of this fucking dynamic. And then immediately they're just like, Oh, but then what?
2: What if I what if I want a
1: little bit of it? What if I want a little bit of it? <laughs> I just I, so something about this movie is um, I find it profoundly unsexy. Um, I think no, there I was, agree. I think there was maybe like one one scene, maybe two, where there was a moment where I was like, hmm, "All right." <laughs> and this is in sharp contrast to um to previous to, to previous entries in fuck brewery
2: <laughs> well sort of i mean showgirls is not you know they're hot and they're naked but like it's pretty still silly that's true
1: it is pretty silly um but even still you're seeing i mean at least in showgirls you're seeing some fucking nudity for god's sake yeah. i think the the closest we ever get in this is um some lingerie that you can maybe kind of um make out just the the inkling of pussy cheeks through, but generally <laughs> no <Pussy
0: cheek. laughs> generally we're seeing pussy absolutely
1: sheep. nothing.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's not any boobs in this movie.
1: No boobs in this movie at all. Um that's funny. We both just went to the schedule document to cross out the Duke of Burgundy at the same time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. As compared to body heat, this is this is um, not very sexy at all. In fact, very often making my dick go inside my body like a little <laughs> turtle head.
2: I thought I think the movie is pretty sexy for the first like five minutes. Mm, like when you when you first when they're first doing the kink scene and like mm-hmm. uh and then like she's got a rubber feet and then. Well, before you find out that they're that it's fake, right? I think it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think you gotta be into that though. And yeah, I'm yeah, you gotta be definitely not that. that into that. Um, <laughs> that's not a big part of my repertoire. Uh, Interesting. And so, definitely, like that stuff is like it's not even like it's um, like actively unsexy, but rather it is like. I mean, it's like watching somebody do their taxes, you know? It's just like, this is just watching something. Like, it's not doing well, anything at all.
2: Oh, I see. That's how you feel, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You mean even when it's... Because I will say, like, the most... Like, most of the movie after the first scene, uh, the first, like, of their scenes, which mm-hmm. lasts a couple scenes, once you find out that they're dating and then they go to the moth place and then it's like, okay, well, would you be interested in... You know, putting me in a box, you know, like, yeah. After that, I feel like the movie's not supposed to be sexy.
1: No, it's not. And you see the same play over and over again.
2: Right. You're supposed to be like, oh, okay, this is like a horny movie. And then it's like, oh, well, there's artifice. And it's like, like you said, like it's keeping a dead thing alive and like right. a- trying to appreciate it from a distance and like no one's actually feeling anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, you're supposed to be like rather than engaging with the sexiness of the scene you're supposed to be engaging with like how different Cynthia's performance of the scene is every time where like you see her in the first one you're like believing her 100% and you're like yeah, this she's is a movie really about this dynamic and then in the second one she's like less committed and then the third one she's even less committed and you're just like she's like barely even there by that point. Um, right,
2: and then like especially with the me- the scene you mentioned where they're just lying down and Evelyn's jerking it, mm-hmm. um, like it's so it's such work. <laughs> it's yeah. it it's such just like come on, do the thing that I want you to do because I want to get off, and like mm-hmm. Cynthia's not even interested in, in in trying. Uh, it's it's just working and uh it's very very unsexy it's very sad and 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 just about like trying to trying to appease one person's very specific needs um i think that's more what the movie is about is like just trying to get this thing to continue living um so yeah i agree it's not very sexy but i think that i think I like the way it starts making you think it might be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then just kind of becomes a sad movie about a relationship that's should have been ended a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so I saw this movie for the first time in the theater at a and a with Peter Shriekland. Not that many people were there. And so I think they sort of, like, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, empty, but it wasn't a packed house either. It was this movie and his new movie, or at the time, his new movie, uh, In Fabric. So it was, like, you know, this movie is 140 minutes, and In Fabric is similar, I think. So it was, like, a three, four-hour affair. Um, And I think they just, like, were too tired to do... uh. <laughs> I guess it was, yeah, four hours. Um, I guess they were just too tired to do a QA or like didn't really want to do a QA. But I went to the bar afterwards and Peter Strickland was there. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh I talked to him for a while about this movie. Um and but more specifically, I talked to him about Kathleen Varga. And I was like, so these movies aren't like that. Like, do you see, ever see yourself going back to doing something more like emotionally? raw and like you know something something more uh intense and and sort of verite and he's like you know i made a lot more money on this movie (laughs) uh Uh, (laughs) people seem to like it a lot more so it's like hard but like i'm glad you liked that one (laughs) uh and it's like it's just hard to like get a movie like that going um because it's just like, it's really dark and people don't necessarily want to see a movie like that. Um, and he seemed very appreciative that I understood Catalan Varga as mm-hmm. like a, a movie about what justice is and how it's hard to get. Um, and he, he seemed to complain to me about critics thinking it was some sort of misogynistic movie. Um, but he likes to take genre pictures uh and sort of add something new to them. So this is um this movie is a an ode to like um Spanish um like exploitation movies. Um so I think it's pretty cool to to take a move to take like exploitation movies and then make it really about a relationship. Like making weird like um weird like softcore porn from Italy and using that texture to make a, a movie about like this very specific kind of sad relationship. Um, I think that's really cool. and I like this movie. Did you like this movie?
1: Uh, I would say uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna say yes. um this is an edge case for me i feel where um i enjoyed thinking about it more than i enjoyed watching it you know like i actually had more fun thinking about i mean you know thinking about the moths and the butterflies and the the relationship dynamic metaphor and all this stuff like it was more fun for me to pick apart and think about the metaphor of than it was to actually watch the movie which is rare afterwards that's a rare occurrence for me as you know. I agree. I don't actually (laughs) think about movies that much after I'm done with them. And, um, but it stayed with you. I wouldn't say it stayed with me as much as it, uh, it kind of left me scratching my head a little bit. And I'm kind of like, what the fuck was the point of all this? And then I thought about it and I was like, that's what the fuck was the point of all this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And I had more fun, kind of like, you know, I watched it like late last night and uh, just kind of like laid in bed afterwards, kind of like turning it over a little bit. And I I just, I had a good time kind of probing at everything and being like, what could that have meant?
2: Interesting. Well, I think, I mean, I think it seems like you, you got something from it. Um, I definitely
1: did. Um, But again, I don't think the actual experience of watching it was uh, very good.
2: And now is Um, that because you think it's boring or because uh, i think the movie looks great it like, looks great that's true it's i love a the way it looks looking movie. it's
1: very lush and very um like the the film grain is really nice um i love the environments i love how it's like in some like weird uh like different place like i don't know where the <laughs> fuck they filmed this um they
2: filmed it in hungary
1: okay that makes sense because it like it they are British, and like all of the sensibilities of like the relationship dynamic and like the way that people talk to each other, and stuff. It's all very British. Uh, yeah, but well, the place looks so Eastern European. Yeah, or I guess I don't know where is Hungary is Central Europe. I guess
2: I don't know. Cynthia is Danish, and Evelyn is Italian. Actually, hmm. so it, the, uh, both of their accents are kind of hard to place. I thought yeah. that when I first saw it, I thought Cynthia was British and Evelyn was French, but the actors. Yeah are not um, either. Um, Peter Strickland is British and now lives in Hungary. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why. Um, Probably just because he likes it. But yeah, I think you're... I've read that uh, like in the press release, it's like somewhere sometime in Europe, like it's supposed to feel a bit like a fantasy movie where it's just like... A fairy tale.
1: Exactly. It has this sort of fairy tale sort of a vibe to it. She's like riding her bike on these cobblestone streets. The lady across the street is like brushing up the sidewalk with this like hilarious like witch broom.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like unclear what time, like what year it's supposed to be or what country it's supposed to be. It's just like a weird fairy tale Europe where everyone's gay and kinky. Um, And I like I think it's a really Cool idea and a cool way to make a movie of just like this really fantastical thing about, uh, about a small romance that sure. has gone stale. I, I, but I do kind of agree with you that this movie, while I really like, I think all everything that it's trying to do is kind of successful. Mm-hmm. I, I find this movie to be really really um a a, an intellectual exercise Mm -hmm. um and i feel almost nothing watching this movie
1: yeah that's the problem right is like you just kind of don't feel anything because you don't really necessarily like or care about either character you don't feel necessarily bad for them because you're like i don't know i don't know you you know like (laughs) i'm sure this relationship sucks but i don't fucking know you from a hole in the wall i don't fucking know who you are and, and, like, I just wish there was a little bit more humanity in it, I guess, is what I'm looking for. It's a very yeah. cold movie. And, again, that helps in an academic way to just kind of, like, be like, well, there's something else for me to really do here. It's not actually sexy. It's not funny. It's not warm. There's not really a lot of character stuff happening here. So, really, all I have to think about is what does it mean? Which, if you're into that sort of thing, is great. Um, but- and it's cool. You and know, it I'd looks rather good. read a book probably.
2: I I like this movie. I like this movie as a little like project and I like a lot of the references it's making. I like the Stan bracket moth sequence. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's it's a beautiful thing to look at, but it's almost like a better thing to look at with the sound off. Yes. Like the I don't know. It's, it's it feels a little unfair to say cuz it's like it also is a cool s- story and they do do something with it I don't know just something about it is like you like I totally agree it's just it's a little cold
1: yeah it could have used a little warmth they could have used a little bit more character could have used a little bit more humor I feel like there was like like there's a little bit of space in there for like funniness around like how ridiculous the demands get you know there's one moment that got a little laugh out of me and I don't remember I exactly what it one. is but it's oh. like when um when they're like breaking up and um and uh uh what's her name um Cynthia is like going on her whole big tear about it and she says like like and what if I had made you a human toilet things would have been better and I was like <laughs> that's hilarious why didn't we actually like see that conversation you know <laughs> like why we don't do- we like I I, I want more of like, I want more of her outlandish demands to actually like get outlandish enough that you're like, Oh my fucking God.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the fun, the funniest part to me is when the, the, the woman, um, Lorna comes over to like, ask them about the, the, the bed. They're like, Mm -hmm. we have one that pulls out and one that flips up. And like, they're like having this real clinical conversation with someone else about how they're gonna do it and then they talk about how it can't be done in two weeks and then she's like we also have human toilets and then like <laughs> and then like cynthia's just like i'm leaving and then like she turns around and there's like a slow motion shot of lorna like doing this weird motion with her hands, mm-hmm. <laughs> like explaining what would happen um uh, that can't really be understood what it is but that part always makes me laugh um and I think it's just because there's like another person and it becomes so clinical and outlandish yes. that they're like planning out these huge. Yeah. I, I, I wish they were like drawing out and having more like technical conversations of like, what can we do to like put you in weird boxes or, you know, make you feel submissive or whatever. Right. I, I, I think the, they either needed to be more emotion or more sadness that, that they are, that this had become stale because I agree with you. It's just like they, you don't ever feel their love and you don't feel bad for them until the very, very end when Cynthia cries. Yeah. Which I like that part. And I do think it makes the movie worth it. And I think there's a lot of great things in this movie. I just, yeah, it's like something about it just feels a little bloodless.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying edge case. I'm saying it's good, maybe not like a full throated recommend, but it's good. It's a real interesting,
2: cool little thing that I'm glad yeah. exists. I recommend checking it out. But got
1: some neat stuff going on.
2: It yeah. It's if if it's got some neat stuff going on, but I I I do can't give it like a. It's not a. It's unfortunate because it's like it got all these like. I love this director and I'm I'm glad he got a lot of praise. I just like can't fully be on the side of like it's the best movie of the year. It's like a cool yeah. little thing. I almost feel like in the same way Repo Man gets a lot of praise where it's like lots of cool little things but does it add up to like something really powerful? And it's like mm, kind of weak in places. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm thinking of Repo Man, but <laughs> a lot of style, I think is what it is. It's like a lot of style that is sort of like little under undercut by its bloodlessness. Um so okay, that's Duke of Burgundy. It's a light recommend from both of us, I think. Yeah. Um thanks so much for listening. Thanks Dark Council for the the recommendation. Next week will be the final Fuckbury selection which is in the realm of the senses which from my what i understand will be the first movie with um non simulated sex uh an actual pornographic film nice um so i've never looking seen that looking forward one. to it i'm excited to see it um and then next month it seems to, uh, we can announce it next month is uh jarmish mr yeah. jim jarmarch
1: yep jim jim march juice
2: yeah so i <laughs> get ready for that i'm excited for it i've seen many of those movies but not all of them um so thanks for being here if you'd like to hear more of our show or join the sopranos tier or join the dark council you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss uh and subscribe to any of those tiers we can announce now that we are doing after the boys is finished uh now that's the boys is finished we are doing fargo the fx show um, we are doing two seasons of that before we have a referendum vote. Excited to to dig into Fargo. That will be at the end of the month. We'll do that episode behind the Patreon wall. So go over there and check it out. Um, if you'd like to subscribe to our Twitter, it's at JenLossPod. You can follow us and follow us individually from there. Uh, check out my band. We're releasing an album on February 28th, which is so soon i'm very excited uh check out jeremy's youtube uh which is jeremy thunder and until next time that's
0: That's movies. movies The costumes she show